you know, I mean, a perfect example, the, the recent leak of all the classified documents. This was not done by some huge organization. It was an IT guy that worked, you know, in the intelligence wing in Massachusetts. Um, and he had access to these systems and it's the human factor that just acts, you know, I mean, he's, he's and he was publishing on discord, right? I mean, meh. right. He was trying to impress his like, you know, loser buddies. Cause it's like a white supremacist discord, but like, he was just trying to impress his dumb friends and he released all this stuff. That's just an idiot, right? Like imagine what a smart person with real nefarious intentions can do to our critical infrastructure. Okay, on that note, it's been a great episode of yep. Pwned. And All right, yep. gonna... we'll catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Let's wrap it up quick. <laughs> Zach, do you remember um, uh, a couple years ago, um, uh, it was probably longer than a couple years ago, there was a big push to move off of uh, analog digital TV, or sorry, analog TV signals. And there was a big push to saying all all TV will be only served by digital means, right? Yeah. And I can't I, I I can't forget like um I I can't remember the name of the law that was enacted, but um there was a whole like country readiness thing, but this is like federal law that said by this time like it's going to be cut over and the TV signal that you used to know and love is going to be converted to this type of medium and if you want to continue watching it you need to convert yeah is there is there anything like that happening with um some of the legacy emergency management infrastructure a hundred percent uh so analog radio so here, here's a perfect example i've got actually two uh i can give a shout out to one of my sponsors, L3 Harris Radios. Uh, this is a XL200 radio, uh, and it does digital and analog because that is kind of how it works. The digital side of this, though, and a lot of agencies are moving to digital, uh, so there's a couple different standards. There's P25, uh, which is essentially an open source uh, encryption uh, codec and... Uh, like transport method that's used for radio communications. Um, and you can actually, I think, download it. It's like, it's anyone, you could use it for other stuff you wanted to. It's used on like emergency side as well as like um, amateur radio side and stuff. The advantage of that is you get uh, potentially more use out of your radio system, right? Like, cause you're sending digital packets versus like big chunks of voice, you know, in the old analog way uh, that takes up lots of sort of bandwidth. And you can do more with it. And it, in theory, is much more secure. Um, and in a lot of ways, is better. Like, you actually can get more range out of your radio. That, some people don't like the sound of it because it turns you kind of robotic in your voice and stuff. Um, but basically, if you're getting any signal, you can get all the way to the tail end of that signal, and people will still be able to hear you. On the analog side, you can go a little bit further, but it sounds like crap. And the old timers really like the analog. Like, you know, it's just, I'm always, you know, change is bad. Um, but Someone with a with a radio on the analog side who has the the input frequency and the code, you know, CTS or some other CTSS or some other code that opens up the repeater can just sit here, push the button, and you shut down the entire radio system. And this happens all the time, especially in systems that are like quasi public safety, quasi, um, you know, uh, open to like the public. Um, so, for example, VHF radios. So, if you're on a boat, you have to have a VHF radio. And channel 16 is the emergency channel. And all of the Coast Guard stations in the entire country have to monitor channel 16. And they can repeat it around. They can, like, 
you know, they have receivers all over the place that, that goes to their rescue coordination centers. Um, and in our area, in the Lake Champlain area, there was someone a few years ago, I don't know if they're still doing it, but they were going around and basically holding the radio open on channel 16 and shutting down that channel for emergencies. And that's how every single vessel in the, uh, in the U.S. anyways, is communicating emergencies on that. So that a, was you that get a, a marine salvage company, Zach? Was What's that a marine that? salvage company? That would seem to sort of make sense. <laughs> sure, boat's yeah. leaking. Boat's leaking. Sorry yeah. to hear you. Yeah, boat's really, leaking. Great. Your uh, business is good. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, that was um, if that was a couple of years ago, that could have been uh, it could have been the t test that we did on the maritime system. <laughs> yeah, it's probably Randy. Uh, yeah, but yeah, so those you know, just that little like uh, you know, push the button, shut it down. Uh, analog is really easy to sort of do it. Now P twenty five, you have a higher level. Like there's different codes. Like you can't get into the system as easily, but what they've done with this is also start to make the transport of this stuff over digital as well. So like you hit the repeater, you know, on digital, and then it's going over essentially an internet connection to other repeaters. And that's how you build out your system. Um, where before it was microwave, right? It was radio to radio. So it was kind of like you owned everything. And now you sort of like, you've increased the level of security, maybe kept more people out, but you've added so much complexity to the system that it's really, really hard to fix it when it breaks. And it's not something like, I, in the old days, and this is, I think, why a lot of the sort of like older school emergency re responders and managers like analog, I could go down to a repeater and like turn it off, turn it on and be like, oh, it, it's fixed or it's broken, right? Like it's very mm -hmm. easy to sort of fix that. Uh, with a digital system, you've got numerous interfaces. It, it, it's passing through hardware and software, changing formats, going out. And it's just, there's so much complexity. Um, and in every part of that complexity, I think that's where the vulnerability is, right? Like if someone decides to, you know, one of the new Harbor hackers decides to go into the component that receives the radio signal and then broadcasts it over the line, they could just turn that device off, right? Or they could turn it into a botnet for something, or they could do whatever they want to, to sort of like cut that off. And it was, that was a little bit harder in the old days. Like, yes, you could stand here with a radio and, and blast it out, but we could also triangulate that eventually. Like if it was really a crisis, we just take a few radios and we kind of figure out where you are generally and we beat you up. Um, and now that's a lot harder. So uh, it's it's like in some ways we're, we're moving forward, but in other ways, like we haven't really solved necessarily the the biggest issues with this. And that's part of it is like, as you start to connect things to the internet, yes, you're opening up to other stuff and it becomes more technical. And a lot of us are not that technical and it makes it really challenging. But imagine a radio system like New York City's or, or Boston's, you know, these huge, um, you know, systems that are connected to tons of repeaters and stuff. And you figure out a way to just blast, you know, crappy 80s music on every single channel. Um, and you've completely stopped all response in the city. Like, I don't know that we could quickly go to any other way, you know, telephones, like, you know, they have old like tinker tape, you know, alarm systems uh, that still sort of function, but like you're dead in the water very quickly. Yeah. Um, Zach, you like you're, you're super well connected in the emergency management space and you talk to a whole bunch of people across the country on these topics. When this flavor of conversation comes up, right, of how do we solve the problems of tomorrow, like are you are you making recommendations to people or have you seen 
a general consensus or direction of how people are thinking about solving this? I think so. I think the, the, you know, like our, my generation of emergency management and responder grew up with the internet. And so we're sort of like versed in it. The generation that's going to replace me is super knowledgeable and super experienced in it and comfortable with technological change. The challenges that are, are, I think from all the people that I talk to, there's, there's a list of challenges, right? Budget. There's never enough money. Like we have so many different threats and concerns that we're facing. And because of like our country's sort of knee jerk reaction to disasters, we throw money at like the immediate reactionary problem instead of being proactive in a lot of ways. And, that, and I'm, I'm speaking very generally, like there's obviously there's radio systems and emergency management agencies and, and police and fire and EMS agencies that are like crushing it, like good luck trying to get into their stuff. But there's way, 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 way more that are operating on shoestring budgets, on ancient technology, on unmaintained software and hardware, uh, you know, that are open to anything uh, for attack. And, and we've really basically just gotten away with it from pure damn luck. Like there's, there's no, it's not strategy, it's not an approach, it's just like a wing and a prayer. And so I think you have some new strategies, like FEMA has, has tried, like, again, it's a federal bureaucracy, so it's, they can only do so much innovation. Like, it's really challenging with some of these agencies to sort of move them, but FEMA and DHS, like, there's CISA um, that does a lot of, like, you know, cool work in trying to secure agencies. FEMA has identified, uh, you know, these community lifelines that are very much connected to cyber and, and the internet and, you know, all of the sort of, like, IoT stuff and everything else that, like, we're using as responders. Um, but it's expensive, right? Like technology is expensive and the way that our country works, every single jurisdiction can do its own thing if it wants to. So unless states and the federal government start to say like, no, this is how we're, this is our infrastructure for response, then you're going to have just this gigantic piecemeal response. That's why this radio exists. This is 700, 800 uh vhf and uhf four different bands because as a responder if you're driving into a uh a jurisdiction that neighbors you they may be using a totally different radio system on a different frequency and different technology and rather than all of us say hey why don't we use the same system or or, or combine these systems in some way that makes sense so that we're sharing resources and possibly you know kind of centralizing some of the security and safety of it we all do our own thing. And then we have to buy really, really expensive, highly technical fixes, right? Band-aids to make it work. And that's what happens. And while this is great, I love it. I'm a huge toy guy. Um, it's hard. Like I, I happen to be a radio geek, so I know how to change all between us. But like some people don't want to do that. They just want to push the button and get help, right? So we're not really fixing anything. Zach, can but... I ask you a question a different way? Sure. So yeah, yeah. I want to give credit where credit's due, but I also want to assign responsibility where responsibility ought to be assigned. You've got folks who are working their asses off in emergency management, trying to figure out the best way to help the most people when things are really, really yeah. shitty, right? Um, and they're buying technologies, products, services from organizations who say, hey, dudes, I'm the right solution for you, right? Yeah. But it sounds like they're not, right? It sounds as they're like, hi, I'm a bank and I'm the right place for you to put your money. Do you have a safe? Not so much, but we have really good customer service. Right. Like, yeah. yeah, not so much taking my money. Um, how do we help the emergency management purchasing population 
understand that they should be able to demand that these things work the way you just described, right? You just said, I think the perfect thing. You can use these technologies yeah. to work together, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Because honestly, I don't have your confidence in the next generation. Not because they're not brilliant, <laughs> not because they're not brilliant, but we have worked really, really hard, fossils, right? And semi-fossils yeah. such as yourself to improve yeah. the usability of technology, which means they are further and further and further away from the core of the problem. So the idea that yeah. somebody's up here is going to say, oh, there's a pee under the mattress. I'm going to go work on that. No, not so much. They're going to be like, yeah. oh, it just doesn't work the way I expected it to, right? And so I'm wondering, is there a way we can help as security people advise the folks in emergency management, especially in state and local where Justin and I spend a ton of time right? Help advise them in terms of defining requirements that'll make them better prepared to demand what they really deserve, because the hard part of their job shouldn't be the tech. Sure, 100%. I mean, that's that's sort of what it gets. That's like the, the meat and potatoes of this, right? Like at the end of the day, we're just trying to like do the job and everything else is supposed to be like the force multiplier so that we can do the job faster, more efficient. Uh, and hopefully that ultimately results in live save property, you know, protected environment not being destroyed. But we also operate in a system that I know you guys fight with, and that is lowest bidder uh, you know, um, contracts. Because when you're going for equipment, I mean, this is, this is like inevitable. Like you want to build this amazing system and then you get slapped in the face because you're like, that amazing system, you know, is this much. But then someone under, you know, undersells uh, the contract or the bid and the people who are making the purchases are like, well, this one saves us this much. It still is doing everything in our RFP. So why would we not go with that? And I saw this in action in a radio system specifically locally where I was basically tasked to help rebuild this radio system. And I'm looking at the legacy equipment and it was like shoestring, bubble gum and duct tape holding this thing together. Did it meet the RFP? Technically, yes. Did they save a ton of money? A hundred percent. Did it work? Not for shit. Yeah. <laughs> it was awful. So and so what you're highlighting is, right, is there's a problem in the RFP, right? Because they obviously yes. said this thing must be able to communicate and it can use shoe yep. strings of bubblegum, what have you, right? And it didn't say it's got to be effing secure. That's a, like a baseline. Yeah. I'm just thinking a baseline requirement of emergency management is it can manage things during emergencies, which means it's resilient, which means by its nature, it has some cybersecurity in it to make it so. Yeah. But it feels as though if their RFPs are being satisfied by people with a roll of duct tape and no care about cybersecurity, maybe the RFPs are flawed is the flaw. Oh, it, yeah, certainly. I think it, it could be. Uh, and that's, that's where like, I think the challenge is like, you know, when you're, it's not like the IT departments ordering this stuff, right? Like it's usually, uh, it's a person who maybe has a highly technical background, maybe doesn't. And they're trying to think of it as like a solution to an issue. So they're going to write and sort of plan this for like, this is what I'm trying to do. I don't know all the bells and whistles. And again, that's where like these new, higher, more complex systems become really challenging. Because if you're not really read into this, you've got no idea what you're asking for. You know, like I want a radio system and I, I know radios like the, there's all sorts of systems that we use. We use uh, software for management, like incident management software, the web EOCs, Noggins, Viochis, Futurity IT, uh, all these companies that do that type of stuff. There's alerting systems, uh, mass notification. That's all software based. And what you're trying to do usually as an emergency manager is like, oh, I need to reach all of the people in my town. So I need an emergency mass notification system that can do telephone calls, hit iPods, EAS, WEA, social media, all this stuff. And so that's what you ask for because you're not the technical expert and you get a piece of software that does that technically. 
but you have no idea what's going on in the back end of that to determine whether or not that's secure. For a large city or a large county that's got a lot of budget, they probably have an IT department that can like help review stuff and sort of like poke and prod. Um, but you may also like the, these systems are needed in every community in the country, right? You might have someone who is a single person shop. They have no IT support whatsoever. They were given money through a grant to spend and it is all on them to figure this out. And that is a like completely unrealistic expectation for that to go well. And there's plenty of people who make it work every single day and do a fantastic job. Uh, but you're like, your odds of success are just so much lower um, without those resources. And I don't really know like how you solve that. I mean, like, again, like CISA has done a really good job of sort of like translating a lot of the complex security threats into ways that first responders and emergency managers and like the administrators of those agencies can understand. I think that's a huge step is like demystifying it, if you will. Um, but like, I consider myself pretty, you know, knowledgeable in, in, in this stuff. And when I was hanging out at the New Harbor offices, I'm often like, I was like, oh my God, these people are speaking a different language. I thought I was like, I thought I was in the mix. And then they start, it's like, if I can't understand this, you know, how is the, you know, the, the person who has absolutely no technical knowledge of this supposed to do it? And then of course, like, you know, marketing, like you can get tricked into it. Like you do people say the right things and, and it makes it sound like it's awesome. It's the whole point of marketing, right? Is to get you to, to start checking those boxes before you even know you're doing it. Um, and to buy the system that maybe you don't need or want. We'll, we'll ignore the mass disparagement of marketing as a function. <laughs> yes, yeah, the marketer still listening to this. We. <laughs> it's a it's a tribute to good marketing when we see it. Right on. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Yeah. Um, Zach, I, I I have one last question for you. Sure. It is um it is fiendishly complex, <laughs> and I want you to be ready for it. Okay. I'm so excited. And if you need if you need to take a couple couple seconds to think about it, I understand. Yeah, let me drink some water. I've been talking a lot. Yeah. While while you do that, my question is, should I keep the CB radio whip attached to my car in the event of a zombie apocalypse? A hundred percent. Yeah. So at I the thought. end of the day, so these the so CB radios, you know, are a relatively low band. Uh and they're pretty simple to operate and they can reach a really long distance. Uh, you know, I, I would argue for anyone listening to this, so we're talking about like the large complex systems, but you as a end user are part of this, this issue, right? Like, how are you going to receive alerts? How are you going to communicate an emergency? Uh, because again, if first responders, emergency managers, all the systems are up and running, but you're not aware that there's a tornado or an alien apocalypse bearing down on you, None of that matters because you're going to become a victim and then we're going to have to figure out how to come rescue you. So uh, it's a funny, I know it's like a funny thing, but like it's a perfect prompt for like, yeah, like this is, this, this is what makes this complex is it's like there's the lowest common denominator is always going to be like the person at the, you know, whatever, the last mile of this. Um, and so you buy all this software, you buy all this hardware, you secure it, but it doesn't get the message or the, you know, the, the communication to the people who need it, then who cares? Yeah. You, you, you nailed that Zach, by the way, it's, um, I, I kind of see it. And what well, I mean, talking about emergency management technology is, um, there's a piece of it that feels like a shared responsibility model. 
Yeah. Between businesses and consumers or entities and I, consumers. And as an emergency manager, you know, like I had a, I got slapped in the face very recently. We had a huge windstorm over Christmas, uh, you know, uh, weekend and it knocked out power and everything. Losing power, not a huge deal. Like, uh, you know, a lot of people have backup power. And even if you don't, like, you can manage, like, you know, do the old fashioned way, like they did in the barns. You know, you just pile everyone together and throw enough blankets on, you'll survive. But one thing that I realized, I was outside, the wind's blowing, I'm trying to help my neighbor catch his trampoline as it's shooting across the yard. And I was like, I haven't gotten a text message or a phone call from anyone in a long time. And this is like a pretty major event. It's very weird that I'm not hearing from people. And I start texting people, nothing. I try calling people, nothing. I have no internet, I have nothing. And I was like, holy crap, I'm on an island right now. And we were like, well, what do we, like, so as a neighborhood, like thankfully we all know each other and get along. We're like, what do we do if something happens here? And so it was like the old fashioned, we're gonna fly down to the fire station and hope someone's in there uh, and tell them there's an emergency. Uh, so again, like having all these, like we're so individually you know, connected to the internet and reliant on like just having those networks uh, that when we lose it, you know, it's, it's a network of networks that collapses. So it is really incumbent on everyone to sort of think about this problem and to make sure that like when you're, you know, be involved in your community, like talk to your, like if you're, uh, you have to vote on this stuff. Like this stuff doesn't, you're not spending tens of millions of dollars on a system and not having some say in it. Either your representatives are writing the check or someone is. Make sure that when they're reviewing these systems, if you've got expertise or knowledge or you just don't want your tax dollars wasted, that you have a voice in this and you communicate like, this system has got to work for me as well. Because uh, I think this is, a, this is the plight of everyone, right? Like who's in a decision maker role is like, you have your own biases and perceptions and stuff. So you're buying for what you need and what you think you need, but you might not be buying for like everybody else that's actually gonna be impacted by it. And that's the challenge. Like when you talk about upgrading a radio system, there's a lot of people who are in these giant networks of radio systems who do, can't afford the new radio. So what do they do? You know, they have to piecemeal it in. So yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. I've, there's a lot of doomsday I've talked about. There is a lot of stuff that is going well, by the way. Like, again, there are agencies now that are responsible for helping these, uh, you know, first response and emergency agencies to do better. There is some funding, like they're trying to spend more and more funding to sort of help make more robust systems. But we're just so it's like you're plugging, you know, a couple holes on a sinking ship. And that's where I think it gets overwhelming. And then in a lot of cases, people are just like, screw it. Like, it's too hard to even comprehend how I'm going to fix this. So I'm just going to hope. Hope is not a strategy. Hope is not a strategy. Yeah, <laughs> I love that line. It's like one of my favorite sayings. Yeah. Zach, this is um, this has been a, this has been awesome. It's been super good to catch up with you on all these topics. If someone listening to this wants to get in touch with you, how how should they do that? Uh, I'm uh, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, my email is zach.boris.dobermanemg.com. Uh, EM Weekly is my podcast. I'm going to rebroadcast this podcast on my podcast. It's a podcast podcast. Uh, and I'm going to blow you guys up as well. Make sure everyone knows who New Harbor is. I'm sure they all know. I mean, that's come on. Uh, but like, you know, uh, yeah, happy to reach out. I love talking to other uh, evangelists of, you know, good technology and good strategy for public safety. Um, 
yeah, social media, EM Weekly. I think it's at EM underscore weekly on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I want to have this conversation. I mean, this is, we have to continue this conversation too. We've only talked about the like where we're at. I think we should talk about where we where we're going in the future. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good one. A good uh, good reason to do this again. Segway, if you will. Yeah. Um, again, Zach, thank you. Jack, any anything in closing here? No, I just love the fact that we actually had a conversation about the kinetic and the technical coming together, which is uniquely an emergency management discussion that we don't have near enough. So I'm just really grateful to Zach for bringing that perspective to us because you and I were typically, you know, jabbering on in the ether. So it's it's nice to get some uh, some real world in the impacts for the things we're doing. Yeah, hundred percent. So thanks for being along. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I I appreciate that, and I hope more people as they listen to this think of of that other side of the conversation. Like, yeah, you can feel the heat uh, on this side, but uh, without you all sort of helping to secure and, and move us forward, it's only going to get worse. So uh, we want to do better. That's what we need you folks for, which means calling people like New Harbor and stuff, bring them into the fold as you're doing these discussions about systems you want to buy. Have them evaluate it. I know you guys do that. Have them so. help you write the RFP. That would be a great idea. I don't think any emergency manager on the planet is going to say, like, I don't want help with an RFP. There you go. So. 100%. Yeah. Well, awesome. Guys, this has been great. Um, folks listening to this, if you enjoyed this episode, please like and share and help us spread the good word of Pwned and EM Weekly. Uh, if you have questions, uh, you can find us at pwned.newharborsecurity.com and we will get you on the next episode. Thank you guys.